Welcome to Watershed's January podcast. My name's Mark Cosgrove. I'm the cinema curator here at Watershed. Um, and this month, uh, again, delighted to be welcomed by Sven de Hunt, film programmer of Bath Film Festival, and also a familiar face, I'm sure, to many of you who come to the cinema at Watershed. Uh, and this month, Sven and I are just going to take a look at what's coming up over the next few months. What does 2017 hold for cinema? Uh, welcome, Sven. So what, what's, uh, what's immediate, what's uppermost in your mind when you think of uh, 2017 and cinema? I think, like it, I think it's really symbolic that we're getting a new Martin Scorsese film on the 1st of January. You know, that's like, here's the new year, bang, bang. Like, you know, this film has been in the making for 30 years. And I think, yeah, by programming, programming it in on the 1st of January, I hope that um, says a lot about the film year to come. Um, yeah, so I'm really looking forward to Scorsese's uh, Silence, uh, a film about two Jesuit priests um, who go to Japan, feudal Japan. Um, that's a film that I'm really looking forward to. But this is this is not um, this, the, the urban Scorsese, is it? I mean, this is not the um, Main Streets Taxi Driver, Goodfellows Scorsese. No, no. So this is a Scorsese of um, of Kundun and um, the Last Temptation and the Last Temptation yeah. of Christ. And this sort of seems to cap off his trilogy about fate and religion. Because yes, yeah, Scorsese always said that he found a lot of spirit and hope, both in the church and in cinema. So and it, throughout his career, he's been walking those two different paths. Um, and yeah, it looks a really interesting, interesting well, piece of cinema. I happen to have seen it a couple of weeks back, and um, it is absolutely wonderful. Um, but as I say, it is not the, the, the urban contemporary um, Scorsese. Is, I mean, it's like the passion of Martin Scorsese. Um, and it's all the better um, for it. And as you say, what a way to hit the ground running in 2017 with a nearly three-hour meditation <laughs> by Martin Scorsese on passion and faith. Yeah, I think by then we've all digested Star Wars and our Christmas dinners. And We're ready for a cleansing of the palate. That, that, that's and what a, I think, and yeah. yeah a, more, a more thoughtful start to the, um, the new year. But then also a Monster Calls opens um, on the 1st of January. Um, funnily enough, both films... Um, have Liam Neeson. Um, Liam Neeson's the the apostate um, uh, priest in um, in the Scorsese, and he, he voices the monster. Yeah, monster, monster calls. calls. I think. Yeah, it's a beautiful film about it's about the power of, of, of storytelling. And once again, yeah, you can also say it's a film about the power of cinema in that way. Like because we find hope um, and a lot to hang on to in 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 stories. Um, I mean, two really um, thoughtful films then that begin, as you say, begin begin the, the new year. What's what's further ahead that's exciting you? Yeah, well, we finally we reap all the rewards of Cannes and all the fall festivals. All these films are slowly emerging on our release calendar. Um, yeah, there's uh, the German film Tony Erdmann, which I haven't seen yet now. It's picking up all the prizes left and right. Um, apparently it's been overlooked at Cannes, but now apparently it's, it's getting finally rewarded. Really looking forward to that film. It's a film about um, 
yeah, a, a connection between a father and, 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 a, and a daughter. Mm. Um, so yeah, Xavier Dolan, he has a new film out, um, It's Only the End of the World, I think it's called, and that film was really divisive in Cannes, but I think that's a really good thing about films, that they can be divisive, that they um, that you can discuss them and talk about them. And I think even like a failure from a filmmaker by Xavier Dolan is still probably a lot more interesting than uh, safe films from a lot of other filmmakers. Mm. Um, yeah, there's some really great uh, films coming up by um, you know people like you say um, Oliver Assayas with Personal Shopper um, and the the Xavier Dolan. The one that I um, thought was fantastic when I saw it in in Toronto, and I'm really looking forward to seeing it again, is Manchester by the Sea, which um, opens in January, the Kenneth Lonergan film. And you know what was so refreshing about that for me was he was a film about people, about characters. It, it, it reminded me of, you know, those those that American cinema of the nineteen seventies, mm, definitely um, with like Bob Rafelson, um, you know, Jack Nicholson's Five Easy Pieces, and you know, films like that, um, which are very much um, character studies, yeah, character driven stories. Yeah. And uh, this film, it's very very understated, but yeah. it's a very powerful film about yeah loss and grief, um, without and being on the nose. No, absolutely, and it's it's just so. As I say, just so refreshing to see a film uh, about somebody that you recognise almost. You feel the, um, you feel you know them uh, almost, and it's such a kind of brilliant. Uh, it captures that um, very out of the way uh, Americana uh, as well. Um, so there's that, but then by by complete contrast, we have um, the the extraordinary La La Land, which opens in the middle of January. Suddenly, the musical in cinema is is back. Now, I am not a big uh, musicals uh, person. Um, I do like Bandwagon, um, but a lot of musicals, I, I just I, I kind of just don't really get the genre. So I went in to see La La Land, knowing it was a you know a musical, um, expecting just to be cynical and um, my usual uh, cynical self, uh, and was completely blown away by it from the start. Um, right through to the end, um, a, a completely joyous um, reinvention of, of of the musical, and I, I likened it to um, you can imagine what people were like in the early nineteen fifties in America, when you know they say there's this new film out, uh, let's go and see it, and it's singing in the rain, you know that m brilliant colour yeah. and just sheer joy. Also, I think La La Land now is the right film at the right time. I think in this time of like political upheaval and it's the end of the year, sort of like depression that kicks in, then all of a sudden um, La La Land comes out. It, it really swings and dances its way in the cinema. And it's sort of like a shot of joie de vivre and a pure shot of golden joy. Mm. And um, yeah, I'm, I'm really excited to see it again. And I'm also really excited just to see people reacting to it, because mm. well, you, I mean, they should be tap dancing out the um, and humming out the and humming all the songs. <laughs> all, it, yeah. It's the They're most instant classic. It's the they? most addictive kind of cinema. Yeah. I don't think it's a it's a perfect film, but I had a lot of fun with La La Land. I think it is a perfect film. <laughs> um, it, it just had me completely um, in in the palm of its hands. But it, but it's also it's not it's it's without giving anything um, without giving anything away. Um, I mean it's not a kind of easy ride emotionally, um, but but um, it certainly delivers. And the the two main leads are um, just extraordinary. So I, I would expect 
everybody to fall in love with them, fall in love with the film, and as you say, they'll, they'll, they'll come out, um, they'll come out dancing. Yeah, it's a film to swoon over. Yeah. Um, another film um, that I really want to touch upon is the new Paul Verhoeven film, and that's a film that's made from completely different cloth. This is Elle, um, with another stunning performance by Isabelle Huppert, um, in which she plays a victim of a rape who's actually taking sort of like matters in her own hands, but it's not sort of like a taken Liam Neeson film in which he seeks revenge. It's a film about female empowerment um, and co that coming from Paul Verhoeven, who made his name in a lot of sexual thriller or erotic thrillers in the, 90 mm. in, in the 90s, um, mm. it's quite surprising. Yeah, I mean, I went in with great trepidation with this, with seeing the, so partly when I saw the name Paul Verhoeven, I, I just thought, oh no, don't tell me he's up to his kind of adolescent um, tri tricks again. Um, that you know we remember uh, from Basic Instinct, um, and you know the, was it Showgirls and you know those really sort of problematic um, uh, representations uh, of women, uh, and so there was that on one side, and then seeing that Isabel Huppert was in it, who's who's rapidly becoming the greatest actress of her generation. If she isn't already, if yeah. she if she is indeed isn't already, um, and um, so that 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 sort of balanced out the Verhoeven and I think that he has made his his best film with this. It will be controversial and it will um, divide audiences but it's a much it's a much more um, thoughtful and intelligent film also about you know about representations about images of women and about as you say um, empowerment but it will I'm sure it will divide audiences. Yeah, it's just great to see Paul Verhoeven back, and all of a sudden, it also seems that the industry is is is, is paying notice because all of a sudden he's gonna he's gonna be chairing the the jury for the Berlin Film Festival, mm. and that wouldn't have happened about five years mm. ago. So, and uh, I, mean, I think um, you know what what you see in films, um, you know, like some of the ones we've mentioned, particularly you know if you take Scorsese, you take Verhoeven, um, is is you feel you are in the hands of a a a director, you know, a director who knows what it means to move the camera, what it means to frame, what it means to... So, so they're very uh, confident and comfortable with um, directing and you just feel that you're in the hands of um, great storytellers. Yeah, like for something like Elle, yeah, not, there's not a single director who I think could have made that film. And I think the same goes for a film called The Handmaiden, which is a new Korea, South Korean film by Park Chan-wook, who did Old Boy. And this is an adaptation of a book called Fingersmith by Sarah Waters. Um, and this is a really steamy, erotic, um, sort of spy caper. Um, and it, it's a very interesting, visually stunning film. It's it's two hours and a half with a lot of twists and turns. Um, but yeah, I'm really excited to see that come into our cinemas and I, I think it can do really well. So some great international um, directors and films there, Sven. What about um, British cinema? How does that, how is that looking in yeah. 2017? Yeah, I think one of our the greatest British directors, currently still living, Terence Davies, he has a new film about Emily Dickinson um, called The Quiet Passion, um, which I haven't seen yet. Mm. Um, but I really liked his last film, Sunset Song, and I think he's still a tremendous filmmaker. Mm. Well, I, I, I didn't care much for Sunset Song, I have to say. Um, I mean, it, People, critics were saying how it was Terence Davis' return to form, um, and and you know like the long day closes. I I didn't get on with um, Sunset Song uh, at all, really, um, but a quiet passion. 
Now that is Terence Davis back on uh, song. Um, it is absolutely fantastic. It's all the elements that you associate with, uh, or a lot of the elements that you associate with Davis. The very um, elegant, sumptuous, uh, you know, movement of the camera, a, a, a tortured, poetic soul, um, and it was. I thought it was just stunning, and it was so great to to see um, to see. For me, what the critics were saying about Sunset Song finally, finally being delivered. So yeah, that that's coming up. Um, but there's also um, with we're screening a science fiction film at the very beginning of January, um, The Darkest Dawn, um, and I'm really pleased to be showing that in the cinema because it's a it's a new British film that is made by young 26 year old. Um, and it's like it's a kind of um, 28 Days Later style sort of you know, handheld camera, um, zombie movie, or, you know, end of the world um, style movie. Uh, very, very low budget, but with great ambition. Um, and it's been made and put out on demand uh, online through iTunes, Amazon, etc. And I've been talking to the producer and Miles Bullo, who's Bristol-based, and I've said, well, look, I, I want to see if there's an audience for it in the cinema, because I think audiences will want to see this kind of sci-fi genre um, British film. Uh, so it's going to be an interesting experiment, and I've also pushed it out to cinemas, independent cinemas across across the UK. But, but what it's an interesting example of is that trend of, you know, low-budget films can just quite easily go out there on, you know, put it on YouTube if you want. Yeah, it's very, nowadays it's never been easier to, like, self-finance and self-distribute um, all your films. Like, the means are there and everyone has the means in their own hands. Um, so, yeah, it's really interesting to see how that's going to develop over this year and the next couple of years. Because, of course, the thing about um, 2016 was this um, figure of 900 films, almost 900 films being released a year. It doesn't look as though it's going to it's going to get any less in 2017, and it's not just films that are released in cinemas, is it? I mean, it's online as well. What, what do you think this? Um, what do you think this uh, says about um, the future of cinema? We, I think nowadays we have so many different screens to get distracted by, so and also so many different video on demand services, um, and some films I think they're sort of like getting lost in the shuffle mm. by being placed on Netflix or Amazon because I still think it's very important that you have a curator or that you have press and journalists who are sort of showing the way to what is out there. And when a film such as Ava DuVernay's film The Thirteenth or a great film that I've seen last year called The Divines, when they're showing all of a sudden on Netflix, nobody really knows about it because nobody really picks up on it and then they're sort of getting lost into this like maelstrom of mm. hundreds of films that are being released online um, a week, and it, it, it's you know cinema um, and film uh, was was written by films that were the, the history as it were or the canon of films was written by films that were released in the cinema. Um, I mean that was always something that the that sort of um, was the 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 foundation really of critics top tens and you know and all of these things. But in a way, the, what what um, Divines and Thirteenth illustrates is that there are really important films. That um, that don't necessarily go through the cinema, uh, but go through other other routes. I mean, do they do they do they do you think they get lost in that sort of critical 
uh, pantheon of, of films and film history that maybe there has to be a different approach to how we think no, about I, I think the approach is slowly slowly getting there some people are paying attention on what is happening online um, but I think we still have a long long way mm. to go um, another thread that I want to pick up on pick up on is that um, the correlation between a film's popularity and the film's quality I just saw the top 100 of films at the UK box office. Um, guess how many films of that list we showed at Watershed this year? Uh, not a lot. No, that's only like <laughs> nine. That's only nine, nine films. Yeah. Um, because so like, yeah, the biggest piece of the cake is still for like all the big blockbusters mm -hmm. out there. So that's why I think that independent cinema is more important mm -hmm. than ever now. <laughs> well, thank you for that endorsement <laughs> um, <laughs> here at Watershed. Uh, but yeah, I, I think um, you know what will become increasingly important is the experience of being in a cinema and watching films in a cinema. So that, as you say, people have these opportunities to watch. I mean, we could just sit down and name a film and almost watch it on our um, mobile phones, um, laptops or whatever. But I think the experience of going to a cinema and what the, the cinema, what that's about, will become more more important. And then it's also it's obviously about what happens on on the screen. Um, I, um, I have to say that, mind you, being in the job that I'm in. But um, I am optimistic about when we hear these kind of death nails um, of the, the death of cinema. I the place called cinema. I I just don't think it's it's going to happen. And particularly when um, as we've just done, going through some of the uh, highlights for uh, that we're looking forward to in 2017, then it's certainly going to be a very it looks like it's going to be a very rich year in cinema. Uh, some of the titles that Sven and I mentioned are opening soon, um, in the next few weeks. In fact, La La Land uh, and Manchester by the Sea uh, open on the 13th of January. And yeah, we hit the ground running with um, Silence and the Monster Calls. Thank you very much, Sven. That's all for this month. <laughs>